there are a number of things he has to do before he can expect the harvest. He doesn't just sit on the porch and expect the, the crop to grow without doing any work. It takes work. There are prerequisites necessary for this to happen. Friend, before a church can be a five-star church, we must meet basic prerequisites for ministry. We must ensure that our church is taking these steps, these steps that are so necessary for us to be a ministering church. And then notice also not only prerequisites for a ministering church, but then there's the preparation for a ministering church. And that's what while we're going through this series, you may be thinking, well, pastor, why are we talking about this every Sunday? Because we're preparing ourselves for great things to happen. We're preparing ourselves and getting our mindset in in the right condition to see great things happen in, in this congregation. Now, how do we prepare ourselves? Well, first of all, the teaching of God's word is essential. Verse 42, then they continually devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. The apostles' teaching. What's the apostles' teaching? Well, we, we call it the Bible right now. That's what, what we have in our hands. This is the apostles' teaching. Once the apostles died off, there, there was no more revelation given. God has given us all his word he's going to give us. We have the Old and the New Testaments. They are completed. The canon of Scripture has been closed. This is the word of God. As a matter of fact, this is a more sure word. We teach and preach the Word of God because this is our foundation. This is our standard of faith and practice. You cannot be a New Testament dynamic church without the Word of God. And that's why we believe the Word of God, the inspired and errant and fallible Word, and we preach and teach it in our, in our school, in our Sunday school, in our church meetings, because it is, in fact, the Word of God. The teaching of the Word of God is essential. You and I will never grow spiritually apart from the Word of God. We have to be in the Word, be students of the Word. That's why I challenge you every Sunday, bring your Bibles to church. Primarily, I preach from the New American Standard Version. The reason I do is because it's the most consistent with the original manuscripts. Now, there are other good versions. I just happen to use this one. And I read from all the different versions. I'm reading through the New Living Translation as I read through the Bible this year. But uh, when I preach primarily, it's from the New American Standard Bible. And as you bring your Bible to church and and bring your pencil, bring your pad, make some notes and, and try to learn what the Bible is teaching you and then go out and apply that teaching. So the preparation for ministry is getting in the Word of God. How do I know how to minister? By looking at the Word of God and studying it and seeing how Jesus interacted with people and ministered to people. And then there's the fellowship of God's people. We'll be talking more about this next week. But we see in verse 42, they were fellowshipping together. That is, they were bearing each other's burdens. They were involved in each other's lives. Folks, you just don't want to come in church and slip in And then slip out as soon as it's over. No, get to know each other. Spend time together. Uh, Bear each other's burdens. Grieve with those around you who are grieving. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. That's how true fellowship is going to occur. It's when we are involved and, and we are connected to one another. You may be going through a difficult time right now and you haven't told a soul. 
You're bearing that burden all alone. Friend, you don't have to bear that burden alone. You have people sitting right around you who love you, who care about you, who are concerned about what's going on in your life. You are not alone. You are loved by the members of this church. That's true fellowship. Another means of preparation is, notice the memory of Christ's sacrifice. Verse 42 says that they were breaking bread together. This is the Lord's Supper. Next Sunday night, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. And it's going to be a very special occasion. I want to go ahead and give you an invitation to come. Let's fill this place up with God's people. As we remember what our Lord and Savior did, the whole service will be focused on the Lord's Supper. It's going to be a very special time. And when you leave this place next Sunday night, I guarantee you, if you've been in tune with what the Lord's doing, you're going to be leaving with a sense of renewed passion for the Lord. You're going to sense refreshing in your soul and spirit. It's going to be a very special time. So please come next Sunday night as we remember what the Lord did for us. And you know, church, when I begin to remember what the Lord has done for me, it helps me to minister more effectively. I realize it's not about me. It's about Him. And when I get beyond myself, I'm able to reach out and touch people who are struggling, people who are hurting People who have needs, people who are lost. I'm able to pour out myself in their lives. So we cannot effectively minister until we remember how Jesus has ministered to us. How he stepped out of the glories of heaven and descended to where we are on this lowly earth and was tempted the way we're tempted, yet without sin. And he, he was beaten beyond recognition and nailed to a cross and died there. And then three days later, raised from the dead that we might have life. When I think about his example for me, how he became the suffering servant, it helps me to be a better minister. And another means of preparation, and this is so essential, is prayer. Look in verse 42 again. The Bible says they were praying together. Praying. You will never be an effective minister apart from prayer. Just mark it down. Never will you be. You may be gifted, you may be intelligent, you may be well-trained, but if you're not on your knees regularly before the Lord, you'll be in no condition to minister to anyone. Let me ask you about your prayer life for a moment. Are you spending time daily in prayer? You say, preacher, I just don't have enough time. Well, the Lord can give you some time. He can see that you have plenty of time to pray. I would suggest you make time... Where you are now, if there is too much clutter in your life, get rid of some of it. Clean it out of your life. You don't need that. Be sure you're spending time daily before the Lord in prayer. Develop that prayer life. Any relationship that is going to be healthy requires communication. Imagine if you're married, if you, if you never talk to your wife or your husband or you rarely talk to your children what kind of relationship could you possibly have you see having a healthy relationship is contingent upon communication and interaction and building that bond together prayer enables us to do that so these are means whereby we prepare ourselves to minister effectively here in this church and outside the walls of this church 
The other day I was in a restaurant and I saw a waitress who was being trained to serve customers. A more experienced waitress was standing by her side and telling her what to do. If she had any questions, she would tell her what she needed to do and how she needed to handle the situation. Did you know that God is providing training for you so that you can be more effective as a minister? God has used his local church and is using his local church here at First Baptist for a training experience for you. It's an opportunity for you to get your hands involved in ministry. Now, one of the tragedies uh, through church history has been a false dichotomy that arose in the church between what we call the laity and the clergy. We think the clergy are up here on this high plane. They're up here on this special platform and they're above everybody else. And then you have down here the laity, everybody else. That's not, that's not a biblical concept. The reality is that we all are servants before the Lord. I'm not up on some pedestal, friend. I, I'm down right where you are. We're, we're on level ground. Now, my role is different. But we are all servants. We're all ministers. If you have this idea that we're going to hire some people to do ministry for us, you don't understand the Bible. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that God gives to us gifted men to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. That means all of us together are to be involved in ministering one to the other. And see, it, it is much more effective when we take that approach because There's more ministry to be done than there are people to do ministry. So everybody has to be working together to make it happen. And you have particular gifts that are necessary that I do not possess. And they need to be employed for the work of God. So as we all work together and prepare our hearts through teaching the word of God, fellowshipping together, thinking about the Lord and his service to us, And all he has done for us and and through prayer. Then we are going to be positioned to do great ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's another thing I want to see regarding a ministering church. That is the power for a ministering church. We see it in verse 43. The power for a ministering church. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Notice the power of God's presence was revealed in their midst. We call this the manifest presence of God. Did you know it's possible to come into a congregation such as this. And sing through all the songs. Give some to the offering plate. Listen to a sermon. Leave this place never really having encountered God. It's possible to come in and listen to a Bible message and never really connect with God who is at work in this place. It happens every Sunday. Folks, if you come in this place and you're in tune to God and you seek His face, He can be found. If you're really seeking His face and in tune with what God wants to do, I promise you God will reveal His presence to you. And the folks here in this passage of scripture, they had this sense of awe, this holy fear of God because they saw him at work in their midst. 
One of the greatest opportunities we have to see God at work and to see His manifest presence is when we allow Him to work through us in ministering to the hearts and lives of people around us. That's when we really see God's power begin to be demonstrated through us and through our church. And and notice here we see the power of God's provision in that many signs and wonders were taking place. Now you say, well, pastor, are, are we still seeing signs and wonders today? Well, keep in mind, they did not have the New Testament when that took place there in the book of Acts. The New Testament had not been written. And so many times God would authenticate the message and the messenger by performing some sign. Today we have the word of God. This is our standard, as I mentioned earlier. Now, does that mean that God does not perform miracles? Oh, absolutely not. Let me tell you, every time you see someone give his heart to Christ Jesus, a miracle has occurred. Every time you see someone obeying the Lord and walking in obedience, God, it is demonstration of God's power and presence. Yes, God still heals people. That's why we pray for healing. Now, he doesn't heal everybody. If he did, no one would ever die. Sometimes God calls people home through the doorway of death and and disease is a part of the fallen condition. But yes, God heals people. God has healed us all at some point or you wouldn't be here. God is still at work. And let me tell you what I want to see here at First Baptist and what you have already seen, but we want to see even more of it. We want to see broken homes mended. Is that a miracle? Absolutely. Is that a miracle? When you see broken homes where people are fussing and fighting and there's hatred and bitterness and hostility, when you see those families come back together and begin to love each other the way they ought, let me tell you, that's a demonstration of God's power. You know what I want to see? I want to see people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol get clean and restored and healthy again. Would you like to see that here, First Baptist? Would you like to see children saved and adults saved and brought out of bondage to slavery, to the sin that has so restricted them and hindered them and prevented them from being what God wants them to be? Friend, let me, let me tell you, that's what God wants to do in our midst. And if we will yield our hearts to Him and yield our lives to Him, we're going to see God do mighty things in this church. That's what they were seeing here in the book of Acts. Do you think God is respecter of persons? That God will not do that mighty work in our midst again? He will when God's people get serious about serving Him. That's what we're looking to see. That's what we're longing to see. Perhaps you have family members who are not walking with the Lord. Would you begin to pray that God would work in their hearts and lives in a dynamic way? And begin to believe God and trust God that he's going to move in their lives? Do you have people who are struggling at your workplace or at your school or in your own home? Would you begin to pray for them daily and earnestly that God do a mighty work in them? And then watch God work 
And let me ask you this, would you be willing to be used by God as a catalyst to do a mighty work of God in this church and in this community for his renown, for his praise and glory? Would you be willing to do that? Friend, I I want you to know that God wants to work in you. God wants to reveal his power in this church. I want you to know I don't serve a dead God. The God I serve is alive and well and actively working in this world and the lives of people and all throughout my life. I have witnessed it not only in my life, but in the lives of those people around me. And I'm telling you, he wants to do even more, far greater things than we could ever imagine or think. When I think about his work, I think about the human body, how that how we get weak when we don't eat. I mean, some of you right now, you're thinking about food, I would imagine, right? You're thinking about what's going to happen after we finish the service today. If you don't eat for a couple of meals, what happens to your body? You feel weak, don't you? This means yes. This means no. Do you feel weak or not? Okay. So you feel weak if you don't eat for a while. In like manner, the body of Christ needs the spiritual food of God's word. And and we need to be actively involved in the, the exercise of ministry in order to have healthy bodies that are strong and growing spiritually. We need, we need God's presence and provisions to carry on the work of God in our church if we're going to be a five-star church that is ministering effectively. Now let's move on and see the participation in the ministering church. We look in verse 44. Notice the comprehensive participation. I want you to really pay attention. Tell your neighbor you need to hear this. Turn right now and say you need to listen to this. Look in verse 44 and notice. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. You see that word all? You know what that means in the Greek? That means all. That means everybody. You see this comprehensive participation? That tells me that God is calling you to be involved. Not as a spectator, but as a participant. Every single one of us, no matter how old or how young, how rich or how poor, no matter your color, your economic status, I'm telling you, God has put us together for a purpose, for His purpose. It's a comprehensive participation. Where is God going to use you? How is God going to use you in this church? To what extent is he going to use you? Friend, if you will avail yourself, if you will make yourself available, God will surely use you. And I promise you, if God can use Don Hathaway, he can use you as well. If God can use me, he can use you. So this is a comprehensive participation but also it's a caring participation look at verse 45 they were selling their property and possessions and sharing with those who were in need they really had genuine love and concern for people they cared for people so must we we must love people we must be concerned and care for people around us who are suffering and struggling and they're everywhere And then it's a continual participation. Verse 46 says, they did this day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. I mean, this was a a constant activity of participation. Every day they were doing this. 
Friends, we have to get beyond this idea that church is something we do on Sunday. Sunday just happens to be when we come together as a body and celebrate that our Savior is alive. The rest of the week we're to be engaged in ministry and changing people's lives. Don't think that God has placed you on this earth just to make money and just to make a name for yourself. Friend, it is much more important than that. God has placed you here to make an eternal impact on the lives of people. He's calling you to a higher level of living than you could even imagine. It's a continual participation. And then also a cheerful participation. Verse 46 says that they were doing this with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were filled with joy. You need some joy? Get involved in ministry. Pour your life out into the lives of other people and God will fill that vacuum with a sense of joy and satisfaction unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. One reason so many Christians are in despair today is because they're consumed with their own selves. And they're constantly thinking about their situation and their plight. When we are able to move beyond ourselves and and reach out and touch other people, the whole world opens up to us. And we see new opportunities everywhere. And we find real satisfaction because we are the representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ in the lives of others. Some German students volunteered to help rebuild a cathedral after bombs destroyed it in World War II. They had a particularly difficult task in restoring a statue of Jesus that had been damaged. They were able to restore it all but the hands. And they were so destroyed they could not restore the hands. So they decided to leave the statue without hands. And they added this inscription that said, Christ has no hands but ours. Christ has no hands but ours. When you go to work tomorrow, you're the hands of Christ in that workplace. When you go to school tomorrow, you're the hands of Christ in that schoolhouse. When you go to your community this week, or your ball practice this week, or that vacation this week across the country, you are the hands of Christ Jesus ministering to others. Whether you're working in First Academy or Sunday school class or, or you're in the choir or usher or greeter or some other ministry in our church, you are the hands of Christ at work ministering to people who come into this fellowship broken and bruised from the struggles of life. God wants to use you. And with that use will come great blessing. And then finally, verse 47, the progress of a ministering church. They were praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see they had progress in the community. Folks, I want you to know the Lord is placing a vision upon our hearts as a church here at First Baptist to impact Coffee County, this entire region for His glory, for His renown. He wants to use us to change people's lives. This community should not be the same because God has implanted us here as a body to make a difference for Him. 
And He's calling you specifically to be engaged in that type of ministry where your life will make a difference. Friend, life is not just about living, doing the best we can, and then one day dying and leaving it all behind. What God wants to do is superior to that. He wants to use us to impact people for the gospel. He wants to use us to change people's lives by the power of the gospel and that we live out the faith we say we believe and we demonstrate that through ministry daily. And when that happens, there's progress in the community and progress in the church for His glory. I remember years ago when I first started out in ministry, I served as a youth pastor and, and we were in need of a bus. So we, uh, we bought a bus from the local school system. It had already been worn out, but uh, we were real smart. So we painted the bus and we had the seats reupholstered. It really looked good, but I spent most of my time when we took youth to different trips sitting on the side of the road waiting for someone to come pick us up because the bus broke down. See, the bus looked really good on the outside, but it just simply did not work because it was worn out. There are many churches like that old bus. They look good on the outside, but there's nothing really taking place on the inside. Folks, we want to look good on the outside for the glory of God, but that will only happen when we are activated inside and we're serving and we're giving ourselves away and we're making a difference for His kingdom. Now, ministering to others really does not come naturally. The disciples learned that lesson in the upper room. During the Lord's Supper, a dispute broke out among the disciples. You know what they were arguing about? Who's going to be first in the kingdom? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to be number one in the kingdom? And they were all supposing that they were number one. And during this process, you know what Jesus did? He quietly took off his outer robe. He took a towel wrapped around his waist, a basin of water in his hands, and he began to bow before each of these disciples and wash their dirty feet. Jesus has now handed the servant's towel to you and me. We will never be the church God has called us to be until we take that towel and begin to minister to other people. In the name of Christ. Would you join me in taking that towel? Would you be willing to humble yourself and serve others? Some of you perhaps have never served anywhere. You've attended, and I'm thankful for that, but you've never served. You say, I don't even know where to begin. What you need to do, you, you come to me. Or you come to one of our staff members. You come to one of our deacons and say, I want to get involved somewhere. How can I serve? And folks, God is going to use First Baptist to change this community and impact the world. That is his desire for this church. Will you cooperate? If so, would you stand to your feet?
with you standing to your feet, you're saying, Lord, here I am, send me. Father, we thank you for your challenging word this morning about being a ministering church. Lord, I thank you for the ministry of First Baptist and all you've done here at this spot for over a century. But the best days are yet to come. You're bringing people here right now. There are people here this morning, not even members, who are going to be coming here to this church because you're going to use them to change the world from Douglas, Georgia. Father, we pray that you will move among us. We pray, Father, that ministry will outbreak in this church as never before. We pray that this church will be a shining example of what you can do through believers when they're surrendered to you. And may it begin in my heart and in our heart this very morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to call you forward and you come and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. And I'll pray with you and talk to you how, about how you can be saved. If you're here and you want to join First Baptist, friend, there's no better time than this morning than you come forward and say, I want to become a member here at First Baptist. I'm here to receive you. Some of you need to be baptized. You are a Christian, but you've never made that public profession of faith. Slip out from where you are seated, whether it's the balcony or down here on the floor. You come and say, Pastor, I want to be baptized. We will schedule a baptism for you and celebrate when that happens. Maybe there's another decision you need to make. Perhaps you need to just come and pray at this altar about something, however the Lord is leading you. We're going to sing an invitation song, and as we sing, this is your response to God's message. Let's sing together. I'm so excited about you coming today. Bless you.